0: Today's guest needs no introduction. She is the co-founder of Homeopathy for Health in Africa, the one and only Camilla Scher. I can't believe it's taken me more than 100 episodes to finally get somebody on the show to speak about agri-homeopathy, which means homeopathy for plants. So Camilla mentioned an interesting point before we started recording. In homeopathy, we actually use the term agrohomeopathy. And I used to joke that it sounds like angry homeopathy because I don't know about the rest of the world, but certainly down under, we call somebody who's quite aggressive agro. So agrohomeopathy always did sound a bit weird to me. So Camilla suggested we use the word homeopathy instead from the root word agriculture, which makes a lot more sense to me. So I hope that after this episode, more people will adopt the use of the term agri-homeopathy rather than agro-homeopathy. Now, best news of all, Camilla has an agri-homeopathy course starting on 16 October 2022, which is open to anyone, and the link to register is in the show notes. So this episode will go live on the 14th of October, so you've got a couple of days before the course starts, so make sure you hop onto it. I trust that today's episode will inspire you to try homeopathy in your own garden. You can find out more about Camilla at www.homeopathyforhealthinafrica.org. Thanks for listening.
1: Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss
0: all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today we have the one and only absolutely gorgeous Camilla Sher, and in Tanzania at the moment, you're all over the world, but I think you're back in Tanzania now. Hey, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I am so excited because we are going to be talking about agri-homeopathy. Yay! I have been trying (laughs) to get a homeopath on the show for so long, pretty much since I started over a year ago, to come and talk about agri-homeopathy. And I'm really excited to have you on. But I wonder, Camilla, can you maybe tell our listeners just a little bit about how you first discovered homeopathy?
1: I was drunk in a bar. (laughs) That's how I discovered it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was only 20 and I was in a bar and I overheard someone say cures like, and what can cause can cure. And it was like, boom, that's it. I totally, I knew that this is it. This is my thing. So I glued myself to this guy who then became my classmate in the homeopathy college and I pumped him. For information the whole night and the next day there was a advert in the sunday paper saying still a few places left come and study homeopathy and and i started that was on a sunday so i started on wednesday the next week
0: that is such a cool story (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Obviously yeah. meant to be. And then how did you
1: get interested in agri homeopathy? That's something that mm. developed over the years. So when I was a student, I was using just arnica for my plants for repotting and stuff like that and damage to the plants. And I saw that works, but apart from that, I had no idea of what to give. And in this was like back in 1993, 4, there was no such thing. As no one talked about it and no mm. one did it. And then in twenty ten around, we did a pan African conference of homeopathy here in actually in Kenya and invited Kaviraj to come. And he did. I just sat with him and spoke with him. And he sold me a million bottles of remedies and I started using it then. And then a coffee farm, a local coffee farm here in Tanzania was converting from conventional to organic Mm. and the farmer is German. So she was like, Hey, I want you guys to come and help me with homeopathy because the transition period is very tricky. Mm. So I said, look, I I don't know if I can. I don't know. I don't know enough. I know that people do this, but I don't know that I can do it. She said, oh, we'll figure it out as we go along. And we did. So for the past 10 years, we've been doing that with great results, amazing results. And also there were a couple of years in between in Israel. So I was treating an organic farm there and my own garden, which I created from scratch. There's a lot of trial and error, and there's a lot of there's been a lot of notebooks of dates and problem, question mark. What's wrong with this plant? Why is it so pale? Why? What's going on? Is it a deficiency? Does it have a disease? Is this a fungus? Is this trying remedies, trying different approaches, different methodologies, different ways of thinking about how to treat the plant? Mm-hmm. Because obviously the problem is that plants don't talk. So people can talk and they can say, I feel hot. I feel cold. I have mm-hmm. pain. I'm blah, blah, blah whatever but with plants and animals they don't really speak you <laughs> so know. you have to you ha- yeah so you have to observe and you have to tune in with your garden and with your plants and i think the more you manage to do that the better your results are everybody knows that talking to your plants is beneficial even the biggest skeptics know that you must talk to your plants absolutely you know? <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah to keep them happy so
0: I've seen some photos of you on Facebook with like massive tomatoes and all sorts of really beautiful, healthy plants. So whatever you're doing is obviously working.
1: Some of it is working and some of it isn't. So sometimes it is, like I said, it's trial and error. So Mm. like with humans, you don't always hit jackpot after the first consultation. So it's very similar with plants. So sometimes you have to go, okay, did my plant get too much water? And then you give a remedy for waterlogging, for example. And then you go, no, actually it doesn't, it's not making any difference. Maybe it's something else. And then you try a different approach so some of it is dead easy and no-brainer and some of it is much harder
0: now i can hear some of your chickens in the background there and you said you've got some guinea fowl as well for our lovely listeners they will probably be enjoying this and i just also have to slide in there that the reason you're in tanzania is because obviously you are the founder along with your husband jeremy of homeopathy for health in africa which is a charity that i love and support and um you mentioned something before about the wow. guinea fowl eating the termites, and that made me think mm. that you are keeping the guinea fowl to eat the termites. Now we have so many termites on our property, and we've had to pull up so many of our mm. grapevines because they are just have just completely destroyed them. And I think mm. I read once I haven't used it yet that the homeopathic remedy camphor can be really good for termites as well. Apparently,
1: yeah, give it a go. Yeah, try it. Yeah, Uh, what I found with termites termites are horrible. They are just they're so strong. But what I found is that when the plants get stronger, the termites go somewhere else. And this is true for plants, for animals, for humans. Is that when the vital force, when the energy of of the plant or human or whatever is stronger, then All these parasites and pests and insects, they go somewhere else. They hit the weak, the weaker specimens. You can treat the termites, but actually, if you make the plants stronger, they have their own mechanisms of fighting pests. For example, they create enzymes that make themselves taste sour or horrible, and they go, they just go somewhere else. Because homeopathic insecticides don't kill the pests the balance in the garden is very delicate you can't just you can't just kill something off mm. it doesn't work it's better that this because everything has a purpose it's a it's all about sort of harmony of how things mm-hmm. live together in a coexistence without munching away all of your.
0: I can see how they would serve their purpose because in the spaces where they had made all the holes in our grapevines, there were all these ants that were in there. So I thought it was interesting that they're actually making ends up making these homes, probably not on purpose for the ants, but the ants are quite happy about all of that. Now, recently, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, like you were saying, it's just all a balance; that all is interweaved with each other, right?
1: Eh? Exactly. And a lot of people say, how can I get rid of my ants? But it's very seldom about the ants. The ants come as a secondary thing. So like you said, the termites pave the way for them. For mm-hmm. example, aphids, they secrete this honey, really delicious stuff so that the ants, they come and eat that. So you have yes. to look beyond, you know, the ants are just a symptom. Just like in human beings, a fever is just a symptom. It's not the real cause of the disease. So if we just get rid of the symptom without looking at what's happening on a larger scale, what's causing it, we're simply suppressed. And the same goes for the garden.
0: Amazing. And if you look at it that way, that holistic way, it makes just so much sense how if we can actually make the plants stronger with homeopathy, that's going to make a big difference. I quickly wanted to say though, I recently interviewed Rebecca Stirrup, who was at one of your clinics there in Tanzania at, for Homeopathy for Health in Africa. And she showed me these big jars that was outside this clinic. And she said, this is the agri-homeopathy that they are using for the farmers over there.
1: Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? I started creating these products as, as an answer to Farmers that have no way of learning about homeopathy, so that it would be easy for them to treat their farms—no-brainers. Like when you go to the garden center and you say, "Okay, I want a fungicide, I want an insecticide, mm. I want to fertilize," all of this sort of thing. So I've created a set of products for various situations in the garden. For example, there's something to balance the soil, or to treat the soil, or add the nutrition nutrients into the soil. So the one that we have in Tanzania is based on the Kilimanjaro soil in this area. So the soil was analyzed and then we saw which nutrients are missing. So apart from the, your regular potassium and nitrogen Mm. and phosphates, there would be, there was a deficiency in boron, for example, which is very typical for this area. So we added in potency, boron 6C or 12C and that bloody well does it. It's unbelievable. It's actually a game changer. Can you imagine that you, put, you can put in boron without having to get the actual substance? You put it in potency. And this German coffee farmer I told you about earlier, she measured the soil. So she saw that it was balanced in one month after giving product. So serious? this is something that is, I know, right? This is, we can save this planet with this. And can you imagine how cheap this is mm. for farms, mm. how, what amazing potential there is. Yeah. And no that's side effects. Life. And just no in a residues, 6C, not a, not a 6X. No pollution. No, we actually do it in 12C just mm. because that's what we have readily available okay. here, yeah, yeah. because that's what we use for our patients. Mm. So 12C was just like the easiest thing to do. So that's what we did and, and yeah, and amazing results. So we start from the soil, and then there's other nutrients and vitamins. So there's another one called Grow that is then support. The- then there's things like, for example, seed treatment, because seeds are you normally have a germination percentage mm. of like eighty percent. So if you soak them in water with arnica and thuya. There's research, I didn't just invent it, there's actually wow. research that some people did where they saw that the germination rate was much, much higher and the roots were thicker and stronger. And the thuya prevents a lot of fungal infestation. So, so you can use it as a prophylaxis against fungal infeksa- infection. Infections.
0: Infectation. <laughs> Do you know yes. what I'm thinking? Because isn't thuya made yeah. from what's called the tree of life?
1: Yeah. That is very it interesting. Is. Wow. Yeah. So it's amazing what you can do and then you soak them in that and you have amazing germination rate. So they start their life from a much stronger point of view. And then you can treat the seedlings to make the seedlings stronger. Then you can treat the transition from the nursery when they're in the little tubers, when you move them into the garden and there's always some damage, root damage. You treat that simply. This is all no-brainers. This is Mm. like Arnica aconite. And so these are the sort of products that I've created for here. Mm. And also I've created a product that is for overheating. So when you've got very hot conditions and dry conditions and then With this product, you make the plants much more resistant to heat, stuff like that. So we're getting really good results here in Kilimanjaro with these products because the soil is depleted. And in a lot of places, soil is dead Mm. or depleted. Here it is because of silly gardening practices, Mm. like overrating, for example, and not mulching and stuff Mm. like that and in and other things, basically ignorance. But mm. in the West, the problem is overuse of pesticides, insecticides, fungicides, mm. fertilizers. Monoculture. And very much like, yes. Mm. And very much like with the human body, the soil is, it's reached its end with these sort of treatments because it's, you're killing the soil. You're over-treating it. You're your same thing as overuse of antibiotics our bodies are compromised by all of this our gut flora is killed by antibiotics. And I feel Mm. like with the soil, it reflects this trend that has been happening with humans as well. It looked about 50 years ago, it looked like antibiotics were the beginning and end of all medicine because Mm. it was like the miracle cure for everything. And it was very similar for farms, Mm. what they were using for farms and for the soil and for the plants. And now we've hit a point, both in human health and soil health, where these methods aren't working anymore. They're not working and they are also causing intense damage.
0: Makes sense because we are what we eat. And if we're eating from sick soils, that's not going to help us, which is going to make us more sick. And then we have antibiotics and antibiotics. it just all ends up in our waterways, which ends up on the plants, which we just reinfect each other. <laughs> we're
1: making exactly. each other sick. Yeah, Exactly. And that's, in fact, a concept that has become increasingly popular. It's called One Health. Where it's a movement of recognizing the fact that we are it's obviously it's not a it's a no brainer, but it's become a thing finally where we mm. say, okay, we all affect each other, the animal health with the plant health, with mm. human health. It's all it's all interlinked.
0: It is, absolutely. And that's why homeopathy is so powerful because we can help the animals with homeopathy we can help the people we can help the water we can help the plants and uh, yeah amazing what sort of
1: things have I had you one. yeah i had one patient who was like what you're giving the same remedy for my dog as you're giving to my daughter so
0: <laughs> it's funny yeah absolutely and so often the humans do need the same remedy as the animals <laughs> so I'll never forget so this intense, one lady yeah. I prescribed arsenicum for and then she burst out laughing when I told her and she said, I haven't told you this, but I took my dog to a homeopath last week and they prescribed arsenicum for the dog. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah.
0: So mm-hmm. I wonder, Camilla, for our home prescribers, people might be listening to this podcast and this is the first time they've ever heard of homeopathy and how we can use it for in the home. Can you maybe give them a little bit of practical advice of a couple of things that they can try out at home and also how they would administer it because the plants don't have a mouth unless it's a little foxglove or something like that. You can open it up. <laughs> but the plants don't have a mouth <laughs> that you can put the pillial into. So how what's the practicalities mm-hmm. of administering the remedies to plants?
1: I would say, in my opinion, the best thing is like small spray bottles. Mm. So you can even buy, just buy online, 20 spray bottles. And you can make your own remedies and concoctions in different bottles. Because if you put it in your watering can, it's very difficult to get rid of what you've just used. So if you put silica in there, then you've got silica there pretty much forever, unless mm. you pour liters and liters of boiling water and many times, and then you dry it, and then mm. you do all sorts of really exhausting maneuvers to get it out. So it's better to have your separate little sprays. And unless you're treating the soil, in which case I would water the earth with it, but mm. other couple of sprays, squirts per plant is enough. Like you don't have to drench it in the homeopathic remedy, but do spray downwind and not on yourself okay (laughs) otherwise you get a dose yourself so
0: for example if you had some from memory coccinella which is the remedy that's made from the ladybird is good for treating aphids right so if you had a little spray bottle of coccinella and so you can spray that on your roses and do you need to drench them in the liquid or can you just spray lightly and also do you need to put some alcohol in there to preserve it or can you just leave it in the water, like the water in their container indefinitely? First of all, poxinella is
1: not the best for aphids, in my opinion. (laughs) I'm not Um, an expert. I I just read that somewhere. Yeah, I know, but it never worked for me, but surely you can try it. Uh But uh, the remedy that is really fantastic for aphids is Oh. And then what you would do is you spray only a few squirts per plant, and I don't add alcohol Mm. in the water. Because plants don't like it; they don't like alcohol. So you just, and that's why you only need like small bottles. I always put a label on it. I write the date, and then when I'm done, then I can see. Oh, this has been in here for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Then I throw it out. I replace it, or whatever, or throw the whole thing away. Or if I'm only using it sporadically, I fill it up. Then after I've used, or it's a few weeks old, I would say two weeks is. Two, mm, three yeah. weeks is fine without any preservatives. And then you just pour it out and you leave it, you leave the lid off mm. so it air dries. And then you just use that same bottle again. You put your pillows in there, you fill it up with water and you don't have to use any distilled water. In fact, distilled water has been proven not to be good for plants because distilled is like dead. It's mm. better to take, just use water. It's fine. Totally mm-hmm.
0: fine. Now, I know there's going to be people asking this. So even though I'm sure I know the answer, I'm going to ask you anyway, how many piliols should you use in a jug or in whatever, in a watering can or in a bottle? I know people will ask that.
1: <laughs> like two to three, fine.
0: And the size doesn't really matter. So whether it's a, like a big five liter or a 10 liter watering can or whether it's a small bottle, two Pileols will be fine.
1: Yeah, don't use a watering can though. Okay, I really want to mm-hmm. stress it, don't, yeah. because you've, you ruin your watering can. So I wouldn't use, if you're working on a farm, like my containers here in Tanzania, they are three liter containers. And in that we have our remedies in liquid potencies and I use combinations of remedies. I have several remedies in those big canisters for here. So I put like a squirt in of each. So I would say five for three liters of each of your remedy, then you give it a shake, and then that three liters, you can dilute one to 10. Okay. So you actually get enough for half an acre from three liters. But yeah, I'm starting a course in October about agri-homeopathy, and there I'm going to be showing exactly how to do it and how mm-hmm. to dilute it and how to calculate because I've just worked with the coffee farm. Mm -hmm. this is what we came to see that this is enough and this works you don't need huge amounts of anything homeopathy is less is more absolutely
0: so let's talk a bit about the course so it's on the october the 16th it starts and it's through the quest for some we're going to have the link for the course in the show notes but can you tell our listeners a little bit more about how long the course is, exactly what you'll be covering. Can they get a recording of it afterwards? This is it all done live, all these things?
1: So it's a series of five webinars mm. and we're going to do it according to seasons. So we're going to start with the beginning of growing season. What do you want to do in spring? How do you treat the soil? How do you treat the mm. seeds? And then we're into seedlings, into planting, then into flowering, blooming, insect infestations, viral, bacterial, chronic infestations, how to differentiate between acute and chronic, how that reflects in what kind of approach you want to do. We're going to be talking about roses in particular because people tend to love roses. So how Can we support roses in various stages uh, with various uh, diseases and funguses and stuff Mm -hmm. like that? We're going to be talking about different approaches and methodologies so that people understand the difference between isopathy, homeopathy, acute and chronic, the philosophy of homeopathy behind it, Mm -hmm. not just I have a problem, what remedy should I give? Because It's not like that. It's like it's the same as with humans. You have a migraine and you come to your homeopath and say, you know, what remedy must I take for migraines? Mm -hmm. Homeopathy is not like that. It's what kind of a migraine do you What sets it off? Is it what are the modalities? Is it in the mornings? Is it Mm -hmm. in the evenings? Is it throbbing, pulsating? Is -hmm. it sharp pains? Is it blah, 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 blah? So it's the same with plants. So you have to learn how to differentiate, and how to choose what you're choosing. So, yeah, so we'll be doing all of that. Then we'll be doing harvest, what is helpful in harvesting, which remedies can support the whole process. Then we'll be doing winter before winter or end of growing season. What should you do? How can you support your garden? How can you make your garden better so that next year it's going to be in a much better place? Because that's actually what happens. It's it's quite amazing. Like my first experience with this was that I was treating these thrips in green in a greenhouse here in Tanzania, mm. and the these chrysanthemums were full of thrips, and. We gave a remedy and all the thrips disappeared and it was like a miracle. And then three weeks later, they came back and no matter what we did, we couldn't get rid of them. So we had that whole one greenhouse was ours to experiment with homeopathy. So we had two rows with this remedy, two rows with that, two rows with this combination remedy, da, 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 da. We tried like everything, nothing worked, nothing. And then, and I thought, okay, a a fantastic failure. And then the next year, a year later, the farmer came to me at a party and said, Camilla, I've been meaning to tell you the most bizarre thing has happened. That greenhouse of yours doesn't have one single trip in it this year. So there you go. So something worked on a long term. Something was making Mm -hmm. some kind of a resistance in this greenhouse and all the other 48 greenhouses were full of thrips. Only ours didn't have any. What did you say they're called thrips? What, what is thrips? it? Is that like a bug or something? It's oh. a little insect, yeah. It's like an aphid.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. very interesting. And what are, do you happen to know if any of the rows were healthier than the other or all of them were much better?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
0: Yeah, so obviously as with homeopathy as well, like you might not see that result straight away, but that person will just be less susceptible to the disease later on or less susceptible
1: to things. Exactly that. Very interesting. Exactly. So that's the aim. The aim is that, okay, we'll treat the thrips when all the aphids or the Mm. white flies or the cabbage flies. There's a million insects, the crickets, the Bah, there's thousands and thousands, just like with humans, millions of little bacterials and mm, viruses price. that want to make parasites. us sick. Mm. So yeah, parasites and all of this. So the thing is, you can't just treat that. You have to look at a bigger picture because we can't go and kill every bug that there is or every bacteria that there is or every virus mm. there is. The only intelligent approach is to make us stronger, less susceptible. Whether we are a plant, whether we are an, an animal, or whether we are a human being. The same mm-hmm. principle. Mm-hmm.
0: I have to say as well, I once in New Zealand, because I tell you what, I'm trying to have a veggie garden here in Perth, but the soil is horrible over here and I've done a lot of work to build the soil up. But summertime, yeah. it's just boiling and all the plants just burn. <laughs> but when I was in New Zealand, the soil is great and I had much better success growing there. And uh, But one thing I had a lot of there was snails. And I used the remedy Helix toster, which for our listeners is made from the snail, the toasted shell of the snail. And I had incredible results with that, uh, using the Helix. Yeah. So, so I just put it in my watering can. I have to admit, and I just
1: poured it over the yeah. plants, and it worked mm-hmm. really amazing. Yeah, yes, yeah, beautiful, exactly. Mm. And that's a wonderful approach, and a lot of people use that, and it's yeah. a very good approach. Initially, mm. that's great. It's that's called isopathy. The same with the same. Yes, it's not homeopathy like with. It's the same with the same. and this is very a very used approach. For example, in Brazil, in permacultures, they take whatever is the 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 infestation. Mm. They make it into a remedy and then they spray it all over and it Mm. it works. It really does. Yeah.
0: Incredible. So Camilla, I wonder, can you maybe give our listeners some, like a couple of specific examples? So if somebody has really, just really wet their appetite and they think, okay, I want to go give this a go. Mm -hmm. Have you got like maybe three examples of common things that people might deal with in their homes with their plants, and then three Mm -hmm. remedies that they can use to treat that, just so they can go and have a play at home and see how they
1: go. So, for example, the remedy silica is like your go-to in the garden. It's that magical remedy because silica is what gives our plants the structure so when you step on grass, the thing that makes it rise back up again is silica that mm-hmm. gives it the grit. So whenever you have, if in doubt, give silica. If, you're, if you don't know what's going on, it's a great place to start because mm-hmm. it will just make you much stronger. For example, basilicum loves silica. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I treated this kind of a leaf spot on basil on the this basil organic farm and uh, they were going to lose the whole crop because you can't make pesto out of something that has black mm. spots and I didn't know what to do I just gave them all silica and not only did this was it cured but the size of the basil leaves like quadrupled <gasps> so they were the size of a palm the size of the basil leaves
0: yeah Oh, I'm just tasting that pesto right now. (laughs) I love a good pesto pasta. (laughs) Yum. Um,
1: So that's something, silica is also something that retains water. You know how you got those silica gel patches and you buy any products and they're in there? Yeah. So they are there because they suck in the humidity. Mm. So if you have, like there in Perth, in your garden where it's very dry and spotty, silica will help the plants to hold on to the water. Oh amazing. And silica will also help the plants to make use of the um, of all the minerals and nutrients in the soil. You know how like a silica kit, for example, a child that needs silica might have very uh, fine hair that can mm. be that kind of hair that is is very tangled, and you give them silica and suddenly they start to absorb nutrients. Because silica is like a condition, is like a Teflon inside in the intestines. And when, you know, everything goes through, but when you give silica, then womb, the organism can is more able to use all those nutrients. So that's one. Come. Another example, for example, the arnica is the obvious, obviously. Arnica and aconite for repotting. So you come home from the garden center, you've got a beautiful bush. Now you're gonna plant it in the garden and it looks absolutely destroyed. You know that everyone's mm, had it. Mm. They just they're absolutely limp and mm. very unhappy. And if you give them Anica, eighty percent of them recover. Some don't. And mm. if they don't, then you just give aconite because mm. aconite is for shock and basically shock. But some of the plants are just very they are actually in shock. They've mm. been moved from one place to another mm. and their roots are ripped pieces and Everything is new. The soil is new and they are in shock. So those are the two remedies that work for those situations situations really well. What else? Can I give you an example of? Okay, simisifuga for aphids. That you have to try. It's magic. But what you need to do is you give the simicifuga to your roses. The aphids will go away. Then they probably will return in about three weeks. You give them another spray or two. Mm. They will go away again. And then at the end of the growing season, what you must do is give them a dose of sulfur. And that stop it. So you go to the antisoric treatment at the end. And that way, next year, you will not have one single aphid. Gone, finished. I haven't had any aphids in my roses for poof, seven years. Gone. That is gone to the neighbors. I don't
0: know where they go. <laughs> That's incredible. I can never remember if yeah. few is blue cohosh or black cohosh. I think it's black cohosh. Simonsifuga. Yeah. And is it, <laughs> do you tend to, and this is what I know people listening to this are going to ask, do you tend to use high potencies or low potencies? I know you, you said 12C, but for our listeners, if they don't have 12C at home, what sort of potencies do you tend to recommend?
1: I recommend whatever you have, use it. Cool. There is no... Potency is such a thing that it's it's such an unknown thing. We only have guidelines. So my guideline to you would be use lower potencies when you're mixing several remedies together and, Mm. for example, treating the soil. You want to use more material potencies. Mm. So you would... I would still use over the Avogadro number, so I would... Mm -hmm go 6 or above not necessarily though i do use also 6x six, six and stuff so i uh, not necessarily but lower potencies okay and then if you have acute infestations so just very much like in acute fevers for example in humans mm-hmm. it's quite good to go high it will be the intensity is much stronger it will snap it it's very good. So if you have um for example, my mom, my mother's apple tree was completely infested with disgusting. It's a moth, it's a type of a moth that has these caterpillars that are white and slimy, and they are like all together, like bundled up, and they just come and they eat all the leaves and they secrete this white stuff that looks like spider webs. so you end up with a tree that looks like from a Halloween movie oh no it's horrible they yeah it's really bad so my mom had that infestation this beautiful old apple tree that was like the center of the garden mm. it cannot this cannot happen to that apple tree so she's like, Camilla cure it Now, right now. (laughs) So I emailed, I sent Jeremy a message and I said, darling, any genius is very welcome right now. What are we going to do about this infestation? (laughs) So he took the rubric delusions, snakes in and out around him, which is, of course, Lacaninum. And the Lacaninum, the ones of you who are yo's, who are homeopaths will know that lachaninum has it's there's this disgusted feeling mm. in lachaninum. It's gross. It's like, and you can imagine how that apple tree would feel to have all those maggots and crawling all around it, and you just feel grossed out. And also all the white secretions they go with lachaninum. So the mm. whole totality of it. So my mum had she's got a a big kit. So she had 200 c it's a 200C kit, so she just made half a glass of, she just put half a glass of water, a few, ty- they are very small, so about five in that, mixed it and just put poured it at the bottom of the tree of the wow. trunk into the soil. Because it's a big apple tree, you can't spraying it. You can on spray, but anyway, she put it in the earth, and this was on a Thursday. She went away for the weekend to our summer place. Came back on Monday, they were all gone, disappeared, and not only that, apple tree now is producing these big, juicy apples. And we all thought it was an ornamental tree because the apples were so small and puny and sour and you wouldn't want to eat them. They were gross. So we thought it's an ornamental tree. But now, no, the apples are like red and delicious. (laughs) It's like, it's better than ever, that tree, so.
0: I really hope she took a before and after photo. She did. She did. Oh, that is... Incredible. You're actually making me teary. So Camilla, is there a last message that you want to leave our listeners with and also tell them where they can get hold of you
1: and then we'll say goodbye? I guess what what the purpose of this talk really is to get you excited about using homeopathy also in your gardens. Not just for yourself and your kids and your Labrador, but also for your apple trees and your berry berries. And it's just, it just adds such a lovely aspect to gardening, because most of us don't actually want to spray our gardens with chemicals mm. at all. There's very few people who are like, yay, let me spray poison into my garden. Yeah. <laughs> it's, no one wants to do that. But then what are your options? Mm. If you go, I'm surprised how few options there are for biological gardeners. So a lot of it is spray your plants with fairy soap. Mm. And clean your utensils really well. Yeah. There isn't much there that you can do, but with homeopathy, it's like a whole new world opens it up is. and it's so fun. <laughs> so just have fun with your garden. You know that you're not doing any damage. Just try the remedies and see for yourself. Keep a little logbook, write mm. down. I gave this, it didn't work, I gave that. Wow, the plant turned really dark green. Mm. It's beautiful. Take photos before after. Send me your data because This is a new area. This is a new field. We Mm -hmm. all need to experiment. We all need to talk to each other. And you know what? If we do this, we can save this planet.
0: We really can. And don't be so quick to give up because you might think that your remedy is not working, but next season you might get some nice surprises.
1: Oh, absolutely. (laughs)
0: And what's the best places (laughs) for people to get hold of you? It will be in the show notes as well, but is there any place I particularly want to send them to?
1: No, not really. Okay. Come to my... (laughs) course if you want yeah. to learn more because we'll be covering a lot of stuff in those five webinars. And yes, no, I don't have anywhere to send right. any words. That's right. It'll all be anywhere. in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> It'll all be in there. Thank you I so no much.
0: Thank you so much for your time today, Camilla. It was lovely to connect with you. And I know we're going to wake up and start a fire and a lot of people listening to this today. And I'm excited for the long-term effects of where this is going to lead us for helping to heal our planet. So thank you very much for the work that you're doing and for your time today.
1: Thank you for interviewing me. Thanks for having me.
0: I'll see you later. I'm going to hop onto my next
1: interview now. Thanks so much. You Have a great but, weekend. Have you a too. Long- Bye. Thank you. <laughs> okay.